couple of things is uh, many of you are probably thinking, hey, where's Pastor Chuck? Uh, Pastor Chuck is actually out speaking at different churches and taking some time uh, just to uh, recoup and get some vision and spend some time with Pam and, uh, and really uh, get, get um, solidified on the direction of our church and where we're headed. And so he's spending some awesome time doing that, meeting with other pastors and doing things. So he's going to be gone uh, actually this week and next week, and then he's coming back the week after that. When he comes back, uh, he is going to be teaching on an incredible new series called The Tabernacle. You do not want to miss out on this. Uh, The Tabernacle is called The Tent of the Meeting, and it's actually this idea of how God is moving within that tabernacle and how that is a picture of Jesus. And so uh, just be prepared for that. Know that it's coming uh, because it's going to be a great series. But for the next two weeks, I'm with you, and I'm going to be sharing with you kind of a mini-series called The Pursuit that I'm really excited about. That's what we're going to be talking about this morning. Um, If you uh, came last week, Uh, You'll notice that we grabbed these offering cards uh, and we had you pray for the Royal Family Kids Camp. Do you guys remember that last week? It was an awesome time. Yeah. Here, let me tell you what happened because of your prayers and support. Um, On Thursday night, an 11-year-old girl gets up and she does an invitation and altar call. Now, let me get this exactly right because I don't want to get this wrong. 48 kids come forward to accept the Lord. Praise God. 48 kids from an 11-year-old girl who says, I want to be a missionary. And someone came up to her and said, well, you're an evangelist. And she said, well, what's that? (laughs) What you're doing? (laughs) Oh, (laughs) 11 years old and gave an altar. 48 kids come forward. Why? Because you support Crossroads. You support that ministry. You've been praying. All of this comes from what you do, and I think that's amazing. So praise God for 48 decisions for Christ at Royal Family Kids Camp. Um, so with that, what I'd like you to do is pull out your offering envelope. If you're in the front row, make sure you kind of reach behind you. Uh, if you don't have one, make sure you look down the aisle. Someone pass if, if they're empty. Um, fill these out. Uh, these are prayer requests, and we take these very seriously. Uh, This is our way to connect with you and to make sure that we're praying with you and know the needs that you have for you and your family or maybe someone. Um, And we pray over these during the week. And so during the service, you felt compelled to pray for something or you felt compelled to, you know, write a message on here as long as it's not negative about me. Just kidding. <laughs> um, then, and then later in the service, we'll be putting those in the offering basket and, uh, or the offering buckets, and we'll be praying for those uh, as they come up. So exciting, exciting stuff happening. Hey, let me go ahead and pray, and then we're going to kind of jump into the Word. I'm going to take a drink real quick. Mm. Let's pray. God, we thank you for uh, this morning. Thank you for this group of people. And Lord, right now, I ask that you energize us, Lord, that you lift up uh, our eyes to you, that you open our hearts to your word. Father, I know, I have no doubt that there's people in this room that need to hear this message. And I have no doubt that you, your spirit has already been working in their lives. And so I pray as they begin to open up to you uh, that, and, they, and, and they let you in, Lord, that, I, that they would just feel your presence, that they would feel your comfort, that they would know that you're there and that they would know that they matter. Because Lord, you desire to have this relationship with us And so I pray and I ask for an incredible time as we learn your word in your name. Amen. Amen. Um, You clap for a prayer. That's awesome. I was was thinking for a minute, I was like, okay, I'm going to be teaching this sermon about about God and about the pursuit of God, and, and we'll talk about what that means in a minute. 
And I thought, what if I ended up going to heaven? I know this sounds weird, but what if I end up going to heaven and I ask, you know, like, God, how big are you really? Because when I think of God, sometimes I, I'm limited, and I think we are very limited. My friend Nate Fitchu, he always says, like, dude, you're a pea brain. Like, you can't even imagine how big God is. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. Um, and, and we can't. But what if I went to him and I said, God, how, like, how big are you? Like, tell me, like, all the things you've created. And I stood before him in heaven, and he started giving me a list. I think this is what he would say. So, so imagine yourself in heaven and, and, and saying, God, you know, how big are you? And he, he, answer, he would probably answer something like this, maybe. He would say, you know what, Bill, I, you know what, I created the universe, right? That's pretty big. I created the universe. Billions of galaxies everywhere. Uh, black holes, which you'll never understand. Uh, the moon, I created the Bible. I created Halley's Comet. I created Saturn. That's pretty cool. It's got the rings around it. I like that. I created the earth. I created love. I created, you know, the night sky after the Santa Ana winds. I created that. I created those huge pickles from the gas station. I, I created the little stuff. I created atoms and protons and neutrons. I created the Grand Canyon, the Great Barrier Reef, mullets. I, I created Niagara Falls, gluons and quarks, the feeling of sand between your toes when walking on the beach. Yeah, I created that, and pot-bellied pigs. I created Fiji water. In fact, I created all bottled water, as well as fresh water, salt water, rivers, streams, oceans, ponds, lakes. Lake Elsinore, uh, I'm not sure about <laughs> Sorry if you live there. I created precipitation, condensation, evaporation, grace, peace, mercy. You know the way JT and Daryl banter each other? I created that. I, <laughs> I created in and out <laughs> I was waiting for you guys to, yeah, that's awesome. I created the view from the top of Skyline. Trader Joe's Pirate's Booty. Oh, yeah. Beethoven, Shakespeare, Monet, U2, Michelangelo, Jack Bauer. Casey Butler. I created forgiveness, justice, joy, Chaka from Land of the Lost. I created dinosaurs and homeschooling. I created trees. All the different species, lighting, lightning storms and campfires, the calming effects of a book and a blanket, clean white socks, fruits, vegetables, nuts, grains, chocolate malted crunch ice cream, silver dollar pancake house, Tom's Farms pizza, crumbles cookies, those are so good, Wood Ranch barbecue, yogurt land, rubies on the pier, Miguel Juniors and Weight Watchers. <laughs> you know the way your head turns when you eat a taco? I created that. Chuck Norris, I created him. People, all of them, every last one, all throughout history, all nations, all countries, all continents, all tribes, all tongues, bald heads and hairy backs, created them all. I have both of those, I'm just kidding. The, the way Doug Hughes knows everybody, I created that. Running, skipping, laughing, communion, Sundays, crossroads, kids' ministry, 6 a.m. men's groups, the 91 freeway. <laughs> Taste buds and nose hairs, the smell of fresh cut grass and puppies. Puppies are cute, I love puppies. Biology, psychology, archaeology, nanotechnology, all the ologies and guys like Ronnie Roa that understand them. 
Police, firefighters, teachers, John Sawaya. The Great Plains, Rocky Mountains, children laughing and giggling, pastors, hospitals, schools, Corona Rescue Mission, Royal Family Kids Camp, grandparents, community groups, the whole concept of hot and cold. Time, one minute, five times a day, <laughs> right? Paper clips, skydiving, the sound of waves crashing on the shore, banana slurpees. Friendship, courtship, marriage, the sun rising and setting, solar energy, oxygen, plant, soil, reptiles, insects, mammals, prayer, charity, mission trips, inflatable swimming pools. In fact, everything inflatable because it's cool. Seriously, I could go on for eternity because our God is a big God, isn't he? Isn't our God a big God? And... And when we think about who he is and we think about how big he is, I think what happens sometimes is we separate ourselves from him because we think he is so huge and so great. Yes, he is. And yet he desires at the core to have a relationship with you and I. The creator of the universe, the creator of galaxies, the creator of all the planets desires to know you and I. That blows me away. Turn your Bibles to John chapter 15 and look at this with me. In John 15, verse 16, listen to what it says. It says, you did not choose me. You catch that? You did not choose me. It wasn't your choice. He says, I chose you. I chose you. And then he says this, I chose you. Why? That you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last so there's this picture of we have this huge, incredible God that loves us and cares for us and that he actually chooses us and seeks us out. Now, what's important about this? Well, in that day and that time, disciples who followed a teacher, they usually decided who they would follow. So if I decided, you know what, I want to follow so-and-so, then I would go to that person and said, hey, I want to follow you, and they would approve it or not. Okay, it was on me to make that decision who to follow. You know, same, a lot's like that today when we decide like what church we're going to attend or where we're going to go. We decide, okay? And so we have this picture or this feeling in us that says, you know what? I'm, okay, I'm going to decide to follow after God. I'm going to decide that I'm, okay, you know what? My life is messed up or things aren't going well, so I'm going to go to church. I'm going to change my I'm going I'm to follow him now. I'm going to decide to do this. Little did we know that behind the scenes, working was the Holy Spirit that you didn't come to that decision on your own. You came to that decision because God chose you first. He wanted you to follow him. Do you, do you sense this? In fourth grade, um, fourth grade was a long time ago for me. Uh, we used to play this game out in the field called Battlestar Galactica. You guys remember that movie? So we got one, yeah. And uh, Battlestar Galactica was like the game to play. And so I'd go out in the field and I was Lieutenant Starbuck, okay? Now in the new Battlestar Galactica, I think Lieutenant Starbuck was a girl, so it didn't work. So picture the old, uh, old Battlestar Galactica. And so Lieutenant Starbuck was like, you know, he was like the cool guy. And I got voted Lieutenant Starbuck. I was awesome. And so I was out in the field and I would fly around in my little Y-wing fighter, whatever they called those things. And I remember we'd go and go on missions and fight Cylons. And, um, and it was a great time in fourth grade. And I was always, though, I always wanted to be so much like Lieutenant Starbuck because Lieutenant Starbuck had Cassiopeia. 
And Cassiopeia was like the beautiful girl on the show. And I never had one until she showed up in fourth grade. She was from Australia and her name was Carolyn. And I remember when she walked on campus in fourth grade, I said, wow, that girl, she's amazing in fourth grade. I don't know, whatever that looked like. And I remember thinking, wow, she's so pretty. And she wanted to come out and play Battlestar Galactica with us. And so we went out and we played together. And I'd always go by and shoot her, you know, and act like, hey, and hit her on the head and run. Because that's what you do with kids and kick her. And because, yeah, I'm glad you guys don't do that anymore. But so the whole point is I, I'm trying to get her attention. Well, after recess, we went back in and I noticed there was a note on my desk. I was like, what's this? And so I turned it over and it said, do you like me, Starbuck? Check this box, yes or no. Carolyn, you know? I was like, sweet, yes, of course. And I remember, I remember even today, that was 30-something years ago. Oh my gosh, 35, 36 years ago. I remember the feeling that I had when I received that note. I remember sitting there going, she likes me. You see that, guys? Me? She picked me. She likes me. And I remember, I remember looking at her and thinking, there was a lot more that played behind the scenes for this note to be created. She went to, to these other girls and she had talked to them and so they had already talked about it. She had went over here and, and somehow she decided, I don't know why, maybe just because I was Starbuck and she wanted to be Cassiopeia, that she liked me and she picked me and she chose me and there was nothing greater than that feeling in fourth grade of being picked of being chosen and being special. And I thought, wow, have you ever been chosen for something? Have you ever been picked for something like that? Have you ever felt like, you know what, somebody really important loves you and cares for you, and when, when you're picked and chosen for something, all, behind you comes this incredible strength and courage that you can do anything, especially when the God of the universe that created every single thing looks down and says, you know what, you have something worth choosing. My son died for you and you were worth it, because I have huge plans for you. Man, that blows me away. I was chosen for this. You were chosen for this. God had a huge picture and a huge plan for us. So it changes everything on how I view myself. It changes everything on how I view the world. It changes everything on how I act because he chose us. And it really doesn't matter what anybody else thinks, does it? When the God of the universe picks you and chooses you, it really doesn't matter what anybody else thinks because he is so big. Turn over to 1 John, 1 John chapter 4, and look at this with me. I have a Bible, and I don't have um, an iPad, just so you know. I wish I did. So if any of you would like to donate yours, then I could actually get the right version that you're all reading from because I realized I didn't have an NASB. I know that sounds horrible, but... Um, in 1 John chapter 4, it says this. In verse 9, it says, This is how God showed his love among us. Read this with me. This is how God showed his love among us, that he sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. Okay? This is God showing his love to us. Why? He sent his son right? So that we can learn how to live because it's the best possible life we can live. And then he says this in verse 10, this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. 
So he defines love and he says, this is true love. This is love because God had already given his son to us, right? Right? And it's not that we love God. It's that he loved us. In verse 19, it says this, we love because he first loved us. When we understand that it all starts with him, when we understand that he's the instigator, that he's the one that writes the note and puts it on our table, he's the one who says, I am desiring to have this relationship with you, everything changes. When we know that it's not us, it's him, that he wants this so bad, we become transformed in our life. We live for him in our response. Because when you know someone loves you, everything changes. If you know, like if your dad's the president of the United States, right, you would tell everyone, and you'd get all the perks. You'd be like, yeah, sweet, I can go anywhere. And the Secret Service guys, hey, take that guy out, just shoot him, sweet. Right, you could, you could do anything, maybe not that, but you can do stuff. And you, don't, and you feel strength and courage in that, right? That's the same with God. When we know he's behind us. And so we become transformed. We become different. We realize we live at a different level. Now turn over to Jeremiah 31 and look at this with me. Jeremiah. In Jeremiah 31, and all, actually all throughout the Old Testament and some in the New Testament, there's a picture of God, and this picture is this, that he is seeking after us constantly, that he is searching after us, that he, he desires this relationship with us. And so here's a glimpse of it. In, in Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 3, it says this. It says, the Lord appeared to us in the past saying this, I have loved you with an everlasting love. I love it. He says, you know what? I have loved you with an everlasting love. And he's talking to Israel right now. He's saying, you are so, I have always loved you. You are my chosen people. Later in the New Testament, he talks about we are his chosen priesthood. We are his chosen people, the followers of Christ, the ones who believe in Jesus were his chosen one. And then he says this, I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have drawn you with unfailing kindness. I have drawn you. Do you catch this? It's this idea that he's drawing us out. It's not just that, that he's up there and, and all of a sudden we decide we love God and he's like, cool, I'm glad you love me. That's great. I love you too. Let's hug, you know? That's not how he is. God's up there and he's going, I'm desiring this relationship with you. I'm drawing you out. I'm gonna move mountains in your life. I'm gonna do things in you and do things around you so that you experience me and see me. And so he, that's his draw. So he begins to draw us out. He begins to show us things. How many times, I remember when I first became a Christian, I started looking back at all the times God began to work and all the little pieces of the puzzle. Say, how did, wow. Like he cares that much. That he started this years ago and he kept moving it and he's pursuing after us. Turn to Hosea chapter 11. Hosea chapter 11. Mine might read a little bit different than yours if you're in the... uh, New American Standard. Um, But in Isaiah chapter 11, verse four, it says this. It says, I led them with cords of kindness, of human kindness, with ties of love. And then he says this, check this out. To them, I was like one who lifts a little child to the cheek, and I bent down to feed them. Now, I don't know if you're, you're understanding what he's saying here, but it's this really intimate 
this caring God that he says, I bent down, it was like a child that was broken or fallen, and I lifted him up, and I put my hands on his cheek, and I held him up, and I gave him strength, and I gave him courage. I drew them, I picked them up. See, we have this concept in the church, and, and, and I do too, I struggle with this, is, is that like, I'm gonna come and, and I'm gonna, you know, I need to be right with God, so I'm gonna do this and this and this, which is true, we have to do those things. But what we, we forget is that God's already working in us. So when we feel so far away, God's, God's going, hey, dummy, listen to me. I care about you, okay? Quit your sinning and get right with me. And he's already moving. Maybe some of you showed up here this morning. You have no idea why you're here. You're like, who's this bald guy talking? And you have no idea, you, and maybe somebody invited you here. See, to me, that, that is not coincidence. That is God's moving. That for some reason, God wanted you here this morning to hear this message. God wanted you this morning to know about him and to know that he's working and moving because he cares about you and he loves you and he wants to see you have a relationship with him and come to know him and live the life that he's called you to live, which is a life that's amazing and incredible. Okay, that's why God does this. And so there's this concept that we come in and say, I want to find God and God's like, hey, I'm already working. We don't come in and go, okay, where's God? God's like, okay, now here I am. Can you see me working? Can you see me moving in your life? I'm ready. Let's have this relationship. He says, thanks for showing up. See, everything we do is a response to him. I like this quote. It says, God is always previous. God is always previous in our, so we're already responding to how he's moving. It wasn't, it wasn't an accident that that guy prayed for you. It wasn't an accident that that person spoke those words to you at the, you know, when you were at the grocery store or wherever you were at. It wasn't an accident that you saw that person that you hadn't seen in years and all of a sudden a conversation came up about God. It wasn't an accident. See, God is always previous. He's setting these things up and he uses his people, us, to make those things happen. We're gonna talk a lot about that next week. What is your purpose as a Christian, as a believer, as a follower of God? God pursues us in a relationship and then he pursues us to bear fruit. And we're gonna talk a lot about that, but today we're talking about this idea that he is right here and he is previous to you and I. Turn to Genesis chapter three and look at this. Genesis is one of my uh, favorite books. Actually, all the books are my favorite, but Genesis Here's the story, and many of you know this. So Adam and Eve, um, you know, God says, hey, don't touch the fruit, and they do. And they make a dumb choice and an unwise decision. And so listen to what happens in chapter 3, verse 8. So, so they touch the fruit, and they start realizing, uh-oh, we're naked. And um, man, wouldn't that have been weird to be there? Wouldn't that? <laughs> it's like they're all of a sudden eating, looking, Whoa. Like, how did that happen? I just always try and, I'm gonna ask God that when I get to heaven. Like, what did, what, yeah. Like, you, you were naked before, but you didn't notice? Uh, anyway. Um, you'll laugh at that one on the way home today. Um, in Genesis chapter three, verse eight, listen to what it says. It says, then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. You have to understand, they, were, they had a relationship with God, and then all of a sudden, things were revealed to them, sin in their life. They revealed, uh-oh, we did the wrong thing. And what did they immediately do? They hid. Do you hide? You blow it. I'm not gonna go to church for two weeks, and I'll come back when I'm all better. 
right? Is that what, that's how we think? Oh, man, I can't go to church. I'm such a sinner. This is where you need to be. Like, right? like this doesn't make sense to me. It's like Satan's going, yeah, I got them. Yeah, they need to be here, right? They need to change their lives. But if I keep them away, they'll just get worse. And so this whole picture of God, and so they're hiding. They're hiding. I remember when my, uh, my Madison was uh, three years old. And uh, she came in and she said, hey, dad, can I have a donut? We were at home and I remember there were some donuts. I said, Madison, you can't have a donut. You know, you get hyper and crazy. My kids are sugar nuts. And so, but dad, there's donuts on the table. I forgot why there were donuts on the table. But I remember, no, you, you can't have, you know, you can't have any donuts. And so I went back and I come back out in the, the living room uh, area and I noticed, or on the kitchen table and living room area, and I noticed the donut box was open, right? And there's these little tiny greasy fingerprints all over the box, right? And there's one donut missing. And so what do I do? I'm looking around and I'm looking all over the house. Madison, where are you? Madison, I, you know, it's not like she left. It's not like I don't know where she is. And, and over in the corner, I see the drapes shaped like Madison. <laughs> right? And this fear, you could just almost see she's shaking behind it. And I remember pulling it back and looking at her face and, you know, sugar all over her face, busted. And I said, you stupid kid. Ah, and I said, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I said, Madison, what did you do? I ate a donut. What did I tell you? Not, Don't eat the donut. Why'd you eat the donut? Because I wanted to eat the donut. And she, the guilt on her face, I didn't have to do anything. It was awesome. I wish it stayed like that forever with kids, you know? And they're like teenagers. They just go hide in the corner. I'm sorry but they don't. Um, and so she had this incredible guilt on her face. And at that moment in time, I remember looking at her and I picked her up and I hugged her and I said, Madison, I love you. There's nothing that can separate you from me. I, I, will, I always will love you. But she felt this incredible hurt because she knew she had done wrong. And she hid. See, we hide from God, don't we? We hide from him. Listen to what it says later in this verse. He says, um, in verse nine, so it says, the Lord God, they were looking, uh, they hid from him, and then in verse nine, but the Lord God called to the man, and he said, where are you? Where are you? Where are you at, Adam? Do you think God didn't know where Adam was? He's like, oh, okay, no, God knew where Adam was, but what was he doing? What was he showing Adam? What was he telling him? He was pursuing relationship. He was pursuing Adam, he didn't wait for Adam to pursue him. Do you catch this? He had already been 10 steps ahead. God was previous and he's looking and he's saying, Adam, where are you? Adam, come out. Adam, he didn't wait for Adam and Eve to make the night. And then it says this, uh, verse 11, and he said, Adam said, who told you that you were naked? Or God said, and he, told, uh, and he said, who told you that you were naked? Oh, I'm sorry, in verse 10. He answered Adam and said, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. Verse 11, and he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? And the man said, the woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. That's awesome. <laughs> I mean, that's horrible. But <laughs> we have a marriage ministry, just so you know. Um, you know, it's her fault. She did it. And then, you know, Eve turns around and says, well, it's Satan's fault. He told me to do it. But do you catch? They, they didn't take responsibility. 
But in the midst of it all, I want you to, God pursued the relationship. He desired the relationship. He wanted to make it right. And everything Adam and Eve did from that point was a response to how God was already moving. That blows me away. Because so many times, like Madison, we think, you know what, she probably thought deep down, okay, I feel so guilty, I can't, oh, my dad's not gonna love me, he doesn't care for me. And all the whole time, I'm like, where are you? I love you, I care for you. This is hurting our relationship. We gotta do something about it. And God's like, let's break down those barriers. You made a mistake, you blew it. Yes, there is responsibility and consequences, but you gotta know I still love you. And you gotta know you can come to me. And you gotta know even though you blew it and even though you made the wrong decision that I'm here for you. Don't ever let that go. I love you. I care about you and you matter to me. You matter to me. See, God loves us first. God loves us first. My friend Dwayne, uh, many of you know Dwayne Vance, and uh, he's awesome. He loves to go mountain biking, and he, a couple of Thursdays ago, they went mountain biking at like six in the morning. He's like, Bill, you want to go? I'm like, nope, uh, not six in the morning. And, uh, and he, was, uh, he was feeling like, you know what? God is doing incredible things in Dwayne's life, and uh, we're going through this men's study right now called Experiencing God, and, and so Dwayne, as he's going through this men's study, he's saying, hey, you know what, I need to be aware of where God is working all around me. So everywhere he goes now, he's like, okay, God, what are you doing? He, you know, this, I, I just want to see you move. And so he goes out mountain biking. He's like, okay, God, what are you going to do? And so he's out there riding around, doing mountain biking stuff and jumping and running over rattlesnakes. And, um, and he's like, God, okay, show me something. Do something. And nothing happens. So he gets back to the car and he's praying. And he's like, okay, God, I want to see, you know, see you move in a powerful way. He puts it, starts to put his bike back up on the rack. And across the street, another guy comes back from mountain biking. And there's a handicap ramp that comes off of his, his van. And he wheels his bike up the handicap ramp. ramp and, and Dwayne's like, that, this is why I'm here. This is why I'm here. So he stops what he's doing. And he goes over and he looks at the guy. And he says, hey, uh, can I ask you something? And the guy's like, yeah. He goes, what's with the handicap ramp? And the guy's like, yeah, and he starts going in to talk about how his son has cancer. And uh, all the family troubles they're going through and the financial problems and all of these uh, really deep issues. And Dwayne in his head is going, that's why I'm here. And so Dwayne looks at him and he says, hey, can I, um, can I pray over you right now? Can I pray for you and your son? And the guy's like, of course, absolutely. So right there, you know, in all their sweaty mountain biking gear, he puts his arm around him and says, I you know what, I want to just, let's do this, and lifts him up, lifts up his son to the Lord. Well, after they get done, the guy looks at Dwayne and just is like, man, and Dwayne's like, what? And he goes, man, this is crazy. And Dwayne's like, what do you mean this crazy? He goes, you know how many times this has happened to me? He goes, and this is what the guy says, he goes, I feel like God is chasing me. Ooh, <laughs> yeah, he's behind the trees, yeah. <laughs> I feel like God is chasing me. Why? Because God was chasing him. God had a plan for that guy. And Dwayne was in the perfect place at the perfect time. Do you think God set that up? What if Dwayne wasn't aware of it? What if Dwayne was just mountain biking and being selfish and just saw this guy and, oh, handicap ramp, great, and left? Then the guy starts talking, saying, you know what? I've been to three or four different places, and out of nowhere, pastors and Christians have come up and just said, can I pray for you? Can I pray for you? Can I pray over you? Now, I don't know where that guy's at. I don't know if he knows the Lord. I don't know. The, but what I'm saying is Dwayne believed and trusted and stepped out on faith, and all of a sudden, God moved. And this man, it was a confirmation of God's moving. 
man, that blows me away. Why? Because God was pursuing after him. God was moving and wanted a relationship with him and wanted to know him and, to, and be in relationship. In Acts chapter 9, there's a story of Saul who later becomes Paul. Yeah, many of you know this story. Saul is walking on the road to Damascus and there, he's going to persecute Christians because his whole job, I mean, check out this job, is to persecute and kill Christians because he hates them, right? So it's the, the word, and so if you saw him on the street, you'd run. You'd be like, God, Saul, I'm out of here. Like, this guy's crazy. And so he's on the road and he's headed because there's some, he heard there's some Christians and he's gonna go get them. And, uh, and as he's on the road, what happens? Jesus shows up, boom, in a shining light. And says, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Like, who are you? <laughs> I'm the guy you're persecuting. And then all of a sudden it clicks. This guy's real. And then Jesus strikes him blind for three days and says, you need to go find this guy. And then you need to go listen to what he says and obey what he says. But later, later Paul goes on to write half the New Testament. Okay. And he later becomes the greatest evangelist known. Why? Because God had a plan and God pursued him. In my life, I remember growing up. I didn't grow up in a Christian family. I didn't grow up in that place where, you know, it was a healthy environment. And you know what is so amazing to me? When I look back and I think of all the parties I sat in and all the incredible things, crazy things my family did and all the unhealthiness, that God saved me from all that. That God had a plan that he knew even in the midst of all this junk I was going through and even in the midst of this crazy environment that he had said, you know what, I've got a plan for you. And there was a point in my life where I heard that calling and I heard that movement and all of a sudden I came and I said, oh, this is it. Why didn't I listen before? That's how God works and moves because he has a plan for your life. He has a plan for you. He loves you. He cares for you and you matter to him. And there's no way you can do this on your own. You need him. And so you have purpose. You have meaning. You're not here by accident. And when the God that created everything reveals himself to you, you need to respond. All those things I talked about in the beginning, all those, he, he, think about this. He created the galaxy and yet he wants to have a relationship with you. I don't think it gets any better than that. Like he really does. And many of you, maybe you're, ah, I don't believe that. And what, he picks everyone in here? Yeah, he can do that. He can do that. He's God. And he cares about you. And he loves you. And he desires to have that with you. Turn to Romans chapter 8. And this is the last verse for, for this morning. And in Romans chapter 8, there's a lot of stuff going on, but listen to what this says. Actually, I'm going to use verse 31. That's not on the list here, but I like it. It says this. It says, in verse 31, it says, What then shall we say in response to these things? Um, if God is for us, who can be against us? Now stop. Do, do you believe this? Do you really believe that God is for you? 
Do you really believe that God desires to to have a relationship with you? Do you really believe that he has the best possible life for you? Because it says right here, you know what? If God is for us, who can be against us? It doesn't matter what you go through. It doesn't matter what's going on in your life. If God is for you, if God is on your side, you have nothing to worry about. I have nothing to worry about. I could come to him and I could say, okay, you know what? Yeah, my life stinks right now. Oh man, my job, things are, but you know what? I'm gonna trust in God and believe and have faith because he's for me. He's for me, not against me. He is right there in my midst. Later it says this, it says verse 35, who shall separate us from the love of Christ shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword. In verse 37, it says, or in verse 38, it says, for I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, nor the present, nor the future, nor any powers, neither height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate me from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing can separate you. Nothing can separate us from that love, that it's there for you. It's for the taking. He's offering it up. That's why he's pursuing you, because he desires this for you. Amen. So my question is, why are you running? Where are you running from? Where are you running from? I, uh, my friend Humberto, he's here this morning, and he didn't know I was going to share this, but he's part of our sermon club, and so um, I'm going to share this story. Um, Humberto ran from God for a long time, and, um, and he knew it. He knew God was pursuing after him, and he literally was like, no, I want nothing to do with you. In fact, I'm going to make my wife's life miserable because she is following after you. And he used to come to church here and he was telling me, he used to sit out here and wait for people to come and debate him because he would just, he wanted to like yell at them and tell them that God wasn't real and all these different things. The cool thing is God, you know how friendly this church is? God left him out there to, to wallow by himself. I think that's awesome. Because <laughs> he's all coming and ready and, and nobody can. He's like, oh. And he'd have to pray and he had to talk to God. And then all of a sudden God grabbed a hold of him. God began to work at him through his wife, Lauda, and, and, and through other people. And all of a sudden, he began to realize, God, oh my gosh, what am I doing? My marriage is, is, is going down the drain. My family's being torn apart. I'm miserable in my life. God, what? oh my gosh. And then he begins to see God, and then he steps in here one morning, Pastor Chuck's preaching, and his eyes are closed the whole service. Lauda's thinking he's asleep, and, but he's actually praying the whole time. And decision time comes, and he comes forward, and his life is transformed. And I remember, we just, uh, yeah. Just a few months ago, we did their vow renewals. And I remember sitting there, and they said this, when we were talking about how we're gonna, they said, you know what, we just wanna share the gospel at our vow renewals. We have so many family and friends that we want them to know Jesus. And so, man, we just shared the gospel at the vow renewal, and it was amazing, and it was incredible. God, why? Because their life is committed to Christ. And yeah, things are hard, things are tough. It's not perfect, but now they have a foundation, and they're where they're supposed to be. And life is good and real. See, that he surrendered, and that's where I want us to be. That's where I want us to be. He stopped running. So my challenge for you this morning is this. My challenge for you is this. Are you, are you gonna respond to God? Are you gonna respond to his calling? Because this, if he's working already and he's calling after you, this is your chance to say, okay, God, I trust you. This is a, we would call this a crisis of belief, do I really believe this is happening? And, and you need to know it is. 
If you're here this morning and you don't know why, I want you to look because I know why. If God has been doing things and you're like, why are these things happening? I don't know why. Well, I know why. Because he wants you to come to him. There are some of you this morning who've never had that relationship with God and now's your chance to say, I want to commit myself to Jesus Christ. I want to give my heart to him because I've tried and it doesn't work. And I've, I've, man, I'm messed up and I need help. There's some of you this morning who have walked with God before and you've fallen away. You've lived selfishly and life is honestly about you. And you're, you're here and you're saying, you know what, this isn't working. The reason it isn't working is because you're not following you're not living as God has called you to live and he is calling out to you. He made the first step and he's saying, now's your chance, respond. There's some of you this morning that maybe have been hurt by a marriage, by a relationship, by maybe the church, whatever it is. And, and you're holding on to that and God's like, you need to let that go so I can work in you and I can move in you. I can, I can actually heal your pain and the things that you're going through. There's some of you that are stagnant in your faith you're probably even sitting here this morning going, ah, I'm just going to go home, do nothing. God wants to move in you, and he wants to take that stagnant world and that stagnant life, and he wants to transform it into a passionate, powerful life serving him. Now's your chance to do that, to respond. Now's your chance. This is what I truly believe happens behind the scenes, is, is I believe wholeheartedly that God is, the Holy Spirit is moving, in this room even right now. And that as he moves, he's, he, he, he's trying to get into your heart. And he's trying to say, hey, this is what you need to hear. And, and he's confirming that through, through maybe past conversations or other things that have happened in your life. And so as you think about that, you need to understand God right now is moving in you. If, you, if, if this is a time for you to change, then he's going to tell you right now. And what you're feeling isn't that you're hungry, it's Jesus actually moving in you saying, things need to change. Don't deny that. His spirit is moving. He spoke through his word this morning. That's God moving in you. God sent me here this morning. To be honest, I probably wouldn't have taught this message, but as I began to pray and sit down with some other guys and say, what do you, you know, where's God leading? And this is what God wanted me to share this morning for you. I don't know why, but it is. Because some of you need to hear this and my obedience in teaching this and saying these words is a confirmation for you that God is working and moving. That's my part. We have God's part. He's moving. His Holy Spirit's working. My part as the preacher is the, delivering the message. Is, his word is moving. It's powerful. And because when we speak his word, it changes us. But then there's your part. And your part sitting here is this. I need to respond to what God is doing. Your part is saying, okay, if he's moving in me right now, then is he asking me to rededicate my life to him? Is he asking me to come back to him? Is he asking me to dedicate my life to him in the first place? Is he asking me to let go of that bitterness and anger that I have? What is he asking me to do? And I need to respond because check this out. When you respond, when you say, okay, that's faith. And when your faith grows, all of a sudden you experience God in a powerful way. And I know all of us here want to experience God in that way. And so don't pass that by. Don't pass that by this morning. If he's moving in you, respond to that. Respond to him. So right now what I'm going to do is I'm going to pray. And uh, I'm going to pray that you, if you've never had a relationship with Christ, that you would make that decision. 
And I'll pray you through that. If you need to rededicate your life, I'm gonna pray that you do that as well. And this is what I wanna ask is as we pray, if you are a believer here and you're already following Christ, praise God, that's awesome. Would you pray with me? Pray alongside that there's people in this uh, room this morning that need to make decisions and that God would just confirm that to them. Let's go ahead and pray. Father God, I thank you for this group of people. And God, I'm so honored and blessed to be here this morning with them and with you. And Lord, I know as your spirit is moving, I pray that you would touch the hearts of those that need to make this decision for you. Those that need to step out, those that need to rededicate or those that need to come to you for the very first time ever. Okay, so if you're someone who needs to do this, I wanna pray and then I want you to repeat after me to yourself. Okay, let's go ahead and do this together. Just pray this. If you want to know him, come back to him. Jesus, I've blown it. And I need you. And I know that you love me. And because you've loved me first, I respond in my love back to you. God, I cannot do this on my own. I need the forgiveness that you have. And Lord, I choose you right now as you have chosen me. Change my life. Change my heart. And help me follow after you. I pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. If you've made that decision this morning, then I praise God for that.